All right, welcome to the A-Game Podcast. It is Monday. I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend and things are going great. Your October starting out with a bang. So we're in the uh, last quarter here. I'm looking to do some big things business-wise, podcast-wise, people-wise, trying to really clean things up, make some moves. So I'm looking forward to having a strong energy to the corner and bring you guys a lot of value and hopefully making some more connections with you guys. I really appreciate everybody who's been reaching out and being patient when we restructure stuff. I am slowly chopping out of that list of all the people that are waiting that we're trying to get some deals together with. So please stick with me a little bit longer and I'll get you there. My guest today is Jason Porno. He is an absolute ninja at digital marketing. The guy has had the biggest names in real estate, the biggest names in business from, uh, you, you look up his YouTube channel, you'll see interviews with Grant Cardone, Elena Cardone. Gary Vee said it was the best interview he's ever done. The guy was personally mentored by Damon John for a while. I mean, Paul, every, everybody, you look at it, Paul Getter, so just the biggest, the biggest influence, the biggest digital marketers, the biggest advertising, the biggest marketing strategies. He, he's got it all figured out. So Facebook marketing, PPC, all kinds of different things. Definitely check him out. You'll see all the show notes for the ways to connect with him and his perfectly mentored podcast. He gave a lot of really good information, and I was actually excited for this because I've heard him on other podcasts and I've listened to his a bunch. And he's very raw and real about the stuff that it takes and what goes on, and you know whatever he's feeling that day kind of comes out. And I respect that, and, and that's. That's what I get a lot out of is, is listening to successful people and hearing that they just go through all the same stuff that we do and they just keep trucking along. You know, and they have the same thoughts and the same doubts and the same struggles that we all do, but they eventually get it done and they get there and they keep pushing along. And that's the difference is you, you tap out or you step up. And I feel like that's just another version of uh, what Jason Portner gives and drops during this interview with a lot of stuff for tips on time management, tips on scaling your business, tips on um, you know, how to get better guests, how to connect with people, how to take no and really follow up with that with class and without, you know, overstaying your welcome. So there, there's a lot of really good tips in here for time management, for business, for entrepreneurs and for people in life. We're just trying to have a better outlook, get more done or maybe find ways to scale their business, especially definitely check him out for that. He has taken multiple businesses to seven and eight figures in less than one year. So the man knows exactly what he's talking about and he cares a lot. So he fits the profile and he's a big deal. So I really appreciate that he gave us the time to come on and discuss things. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Mark Turner, BJJ Lab and Vlad uh, came out. We went and we went to see Brian Callen this weekend, twice actually, at the Chicago Improv out in Schaumburg. The, the place was awesome and Brian actually switched up a lot of the stuff in between the sets, which I didn't expect. And to me, that was even crazier. I expected to be just the same thing kind of twice. And I got to tell you, if you have the opportunity to go out and catch Brian Callen on the road at BrianCallen.com, you should see his tour dates. I'm sure he's coming to a city near you soon, but I highly recommend checking it out. It was absolutely hilarious. It made you think about life. It made you laugh. I mean, he just, he covered so many different things. He really bought his A game and, and strong clothes, both shows, completely different every show. It, it was awesome. Uh, hung out with him a little bit. You know, got some food, shout out to uh, Perry Steakhouse with a great meal and a big marshmallow. So it was a cool weekend to hang out and get to see some of my jujitsu buddies and really get to catch up with Brian Callen. That was an awesome time. Great experience. And as speaking of great experiences, check out Nationwide Business Capital Group. Go to the nickkick.com slash links. Under affiliates, you will see a direct link to contact Marianne for any money you need for your real estate deals, for your lines of credit, for your HELOCs, for your hard money loans, for your flips, for your developments. Whatever it is, whether you have a bunch of experience, no experience, whether you have a bunch of money, no money, good credit, bad credit, contact Marianne. Tell her the A-Game Podcast sent you. She will take good care of you. We're all at the red carpet. And then once you get that done, hit me up on any of those links on nicknick.com slash links or just email me podcast at nicknick.com and let's start getting you into some real estate deals. Whether you want to buy properties from me, whether you want to sell properties to me, or whether you want to partner up with properties on me, you don't even know where you want to start. You just know that you want to start making some money this year and finding a way to get involved in real estate. Let's get on a call. Let's get on an email chain. Let's get on a direct message through any of the social media outlets. And let's figure out a way to get you involved in real estate that fits for you. So get you some money, get you some deals, and get you going on a strong fourth quarter here. And last but for, certainly not least, check out nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for your free checklist on how to bring value to your buyers. Once again, thank you for Mark Turner and Vlad for coming along. Check out the BJJ Lab Naperville. It's an absolutely amazing school. And thanks to Brad Johns, who... Congratulations, was just uh, inducted into the Aurora Athlete Hall of Fame, I believe. He's a stud soccer player. Not only does he do an amazing job with this podcast and with social media and with jujitsu and with the gym, the guy is just a stud. We got to get him on here soon. But congratulations on the award, Brad Johns. Congratulations, Brian Callen, on a great show. And congratulations to you for getting this great one hour coming up with David Portnoy. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. 
Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an entrepreneur, a digital marketing strategist. He declined law school twice, founder and CEO of True Rivalry Inc. clothing brand, taken from orders of only about 48 shirts into a full-blown clothing brand, over 250 retail stores mentored by Damon John himself. He is the founder and CEO of Jport Media, a results-driven, full-service digital marketing agency, helping businesses be found, be seen, and be heard everywhere, and has taken multiple businesses from six to eight figures in under a year. He is also the host of the wildly successful Perfectly Mentor with Jason Portnoy and has had some of the biggest names in business and marketing, such as Gary Vee, Damon John, Paul Getter, Dan Fleischman, Grant Cardone, John Lee Dumas, Frank Kern, Roland Frazier, among others. And he's been featured on Forbes, Inc. Magazine, NBC, ABC. He's done some boxing, father of two. Thank you for coming on the A-Game Podcast and welcome, Jason Portnoy. I think we should just end there because that's as good as I'll ever sound. So uh, <laughs> I, I think, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate being here. No, uh, honestly, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, really good to be here. Awesome, man. I'm excited. The uh, It's funny because I, I know I've heard you say you get uncomfortable during the intros before. So I, I actually cut it shorter than I was going to do because I was like, all right, he's not going to want me to keep going on. But you have a, a very impressive Rolodex of accomplishments, man. So it's very uh, exciting to talk to you today. And I don't know if this is going to be in, an easy thing for you to do, but if you can give just a snapshot, a, a little bit of who you are and where you came from for anybody who's not yet familiar with you. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot was discussed in, in, in that, in that, in that bio, uh, that I think my mom wrote, uh, sounds, uh, pretty impressive, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just an entrepreneur still trying to figure my way around. Um, you know, despite a lot of success and a lot of failures, um, I'm still just trying to make my way and, and figure things out and, and keep, and keep getting better. I think, I got the entrepreneurial bug really early. Um, I was never a good student in school, enough to get into law school, but then the thought of four years um, in, in school, four more years in school just didn't appease me uh, or didn't, didn't appeal to me. I went to go take a job, um, decided I don't like working for people, the same reason why I don't mm -hmm. like school. I, I have problems with authority, being told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And I thought I could do better than the people running the company, which uh, could be right or could just be uh, very uh, arrogant at a young yeah. age. But either way, I decided I was going to launch a teacher company. I left my job, started a teacher company. Uh, took a good three, four years figuring out what not to do. And then I got lucky with, um, in the sense that I met Damon John uh, from Shark Tank and uh, he took a liking to me. And that was great. And I got a mentor, I got a friend, and he saved me a lot of headaches, a lot of mistakes. I learned, I learned a lot about business. And then through that, I started doing a lot of marketing. So when I first started, Facebook ads didn't exist. Um, you know, I was doing cold outreach by Twitter to, to uh, professional athletes to try to get them to wear my stuff. Instagram was just starting, uh, you know, towards the end of, of, uh, of when, I was, when I left the clothing business. But really, I fell in love with marketing and brand building and helping people with business. And I started doing a lot of different consulting. People saw what I was doing and they wanted my advice. And I would just have lunch with people for free and just like, because I love talking about it. And, you know, I was young when I started the clothing company with no real business experience, got really burnt out by trying to do everything myself, um, learned a lot of lessons that way. And, and, you know, just made a lot of mistakes, but I always loved the strategy and brand building side of things, which led me to start an agency. I didn't start an agency because it was a cool thing to do and everyone's doing it. Mm -hmm. I actually just fell into it when I decided like, okay, enough of these free lunches, maybe someone's going to pay me. And, uh, yeah, took client on and went from $2,500 a month in sales to uh, 300,000 under 10 months. I'm like, man, I understand these Facebook ads thing and started scaling it and just joined and been part of great communities and have a lot of great people that I look up to that helped took me under their wing and taught me the ropes and learned a lot about business. And now I help people grow their businesses. That's amazing, man. And I think people listening that hear about the way you scale and the successes you have, 
they only like to see the highlights. And one of the things is I've been listening to your podcast, listening to you on other people's podcasts. I remember almost every episode at some point, you talk a little bit about the struggles on the way up and just the doubts of like, man, is this even worth it? And then you keep going and keep going. And I, I literally found myself like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Thank you, Jason Portnoy. Because, you know, that conversation of like some days you're like, man, maybe I should have just done a nine to five. Like, I'm blown away that more people don't come out and say that, you know, obviously you don't, but I think it's a natural part of the roller coaster of entrepreneurship when you have a hard day. But, you know, I think the, you know, at the end of the day, we would never really do that. But I think the entrepreneurial roller coaster is something that's not talked about as much because people these days with social media think it's really cool to only show the highlights and the wins and the big checks, but they don't actually show the struggles that go into it. And I think that does a disservice because people who are going to start to climb their way up, they're not prepared with the proper expectation of struggles and obstacles on the way. So I did want to hear a little bit about, cause you said you learned a lot of things, not necessarily what to do, but what not to do. So as far as just uh, how you handle that roller coaster and those thoughts on the days that you want to quit, I've heard you say the term, like, how do you handle the downs? How do you bring it when you're having a bad day? And I think that's a very interesting question. So being a podcast host, you're having a crappy day. You got to get out and interview Bruce Buffer. You got to have all smiles and sunshine. How do you do it when you're not feeling it? Um, Look, there are days where I just don't do it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, pro, I promise I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this 100% real. You know, Bruce Buffer was on the podcast. I asked him that exact question, right? You have to go out and perform. How do you do it when, when you're feeling down? He's like, when I make a commitment, I, I do it. Um, sounds like a great thing. And, and I agree with it. If you're, if, you, if you're asked to show up, show up. And, and if you have a commitment, do the commitment. But there are days where I have my assistant just cancel things, right? I'm, I'm not feeling it. Um, as a podcast host, I feel it's a disservice to have someone on my guest and give them half of me, right? It's my job to promote them. It's my job. You, you understand this better than anyone may be listening. You, you run a podcast. You know, if you're down, you know, the whole tonality, the whole uh, f- like vibration or, or the energy of the podcast comes from the host, right? So if the guest is low energy and the host is high energy, he could raise the guest up if you're a really good podcast host. If you're a bad podcast host, the guest takes you down, uh, takes you down with them or could lift you up. Um, so, I mean, there are days where I have commitments and, you know, if I don't feel like it, I, I, I don't do it. That's the beauty of being my own boss. I get to make those decisions. Um, however, there are commitments and I'm a big, I'm a big believer that if you give your word and you say you're going to do something, you do it. Um, we're all human. We all go back on that at times. And we all do. I try not to do it as much as possible. It's one of the first reasons why I hired an assistant, right? I was opposed to hiring the assistant for so long. And then I saw things just falling through the cracks. And I'm like, man, this is my word that I'm giving people. This is my, you know, I, I, this is my name and my reputation. I can't have that happen anymore. And I hired someone to make sure nothing fell through the cracks. And that, that's, I mean, so difficult question. You suck it up and, and get up and go do what you have to do. Um, and you know, and, and, and you do it with a smile on your face because you never know how it's going to turn out. A lot of the times, the, the worst things I wanted to do or the worst places I wanted to go to ended up being super, super beneficial to me because uh, I went in with a positive attitude and just showed up. But I mean, I'm human. There are days where I just say no. I think that's a very honest answer. And that was going to be actually my follow-up question is I find a lot of the days that you know, I'm fighting, not calling them and being like, I can't do it today. I can't do it today. I get on and I do it. And it's almost like therapy. I hang up and I'm like, man, I'm so happy I did that. I'm so happy I had that conversation. And it gives me like a second win for that day. So I, you almost just pretty much answered that though. So it's, it's, I can't think of a single time that I forced myself to do something like that, that I regretted it. But again, you know, the nice part is I get to, to pick the guests. So it's people I'm interested in talking to. And I know a little bit about, so it might be different if it was, you know, somebody I didn't really want to talk to, but, you know, moving the goalposts and stuff, all the people that you've talked to on that. Um, I've, I've heard you say again, a number of times that when you started going through these courses and were masterminds or groups or whatever, and the, and the, the leader or the host, or the coach or the mentor, whoever it was started talking about mindset, you'd start kind of rolling your eyes. Like, I don't want to hear this crap. Like no more mindset stuff. Just give me the nuts and bolts. Give me the meat and potatoes. And I think everybody feels that a lot of the time. And there's probably a time and a place for it. But like you had said in order over time, every successful person I talk to, as much as people think they don't need it, it seems to be that that's the person that needs it the most. You know, what's your, your take on that after talking to literally the most successful business people in the world? How important is mindset? Uh, I mean, the most, right? It's, it's, you listen to them talk, it always comes back to it. I, look, I run a group coaching program where I teach people how to grow their business. And it's one-on-one consulting with me in a, in a group environment, aside from the agency. 
And I could tell you that everyone who comes in thinks they need something or, and, and thinks they, that's what they need to do to grow their business. But it always comes back to the mindset. Um, I've never met someone who's able to scale without fixing their mind first and getting, and that involves a lot of things, uh, scaling. You'd be surprised how many people get in their own way and sabotage their own success, believe it or not. Uh, that's something that, that comes down to mindset, uh, how they view money, uh, is another mindset. And it could also be conditional behaving, right? Like this is how they grew up. They grew up to think uh, money is rare. You hold on to it. It's it, there's no abundance. And the first thing my first coach ever was like, Oh, there's abundance. You have to have an abundance mindset. I'm like, my, you could have an abundance mindset <laughs> about losing your money. I'm not going to have an abundance mindset. I'm going to hold on to my money because I don't want it to go anywhere. But when you really start diving deep and you start reading a lot of different books around money and, and the mindset around money and all the and how all the rich people and, and successful people view money, it, it's not abundance of like, oh, easy come, easy go, and I'll just make it all back. But it's more of it's more of if I hold on to things so tight, like think about it in terms of a relationship. If you're the guy holding on to that girl so tight that like, you know, you, you know, you've got this this really good looking uh, girl. And you're holding on to her everywhere she goes. You're following her around the store, um, you know, on a date. You're holding on to her tight because you don't want to lose her. You will end up losing her because you'll be suffoc you'll suffocate her. And I think money is 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 no is no different. And when you start breaking it down, that you know, money is just a piece of paper, right? Like it's 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 a transaction. It's a, it's a change. You could print more. You could, you you can't make more money. You could just get more money from other people, right? There's like you know, the only, there's only the government could, could make more money, <laughs> but, but yeah, when you start breaking that down, mindset is just, is something that I've spent a lot of time working on when I started realizing just how important it was and that I could have all the tools and I've spent hundreds of thousand dollars on coaching and courses and, and masterminds. And I can tell you, you could take the best notes you could get, come back feeling rah, rah after the best conference. And there's a reason why you come back and you don't do anything. There's a reason why you don't implement those things. Um, and it has nothing to do with the tactics don't work or the strategies that they taught you just aren't effective. They're hundred percent effective. It's you, it's you. And, and the second you could look yourself in the mirror and be like, man, I am my own worst enemy. I'm holding myself back because I have notes after notes after notes, course after course after course, and I'm still not growing my business. Chances are it's two things. One, your business really does suck and you don't have a product anyone wants. So no matter how many times someone's going to teach you how to do something, it's not going to work. Or two, you're self-sabotaging yourself. Man, that's so true. And uh, as far as that goes, when you do go to places, I always think it's interesting because you come out with so many key points and things you could do to go home and implement your business. And I know for me, I come home and I, I set too high of an expectation of things that I'm going to implement and it, it winds up doing the reverse and I wind up doing nothing. So I, I always try now to just focus on what are the three things I'm going to take away and implement? Because if I can just do three, that's manageable and anything more than that's probably going to be uh, unrealistic for me. How do you decide what you're going to focus on and, and set up a plan so you could take actionable steps without that analysis paralysis or setting yourself up for failure? So I become super, super uh, strict in how I schedule my days and how I break things out. I'm I'm super systemized. Uh, yes, that breaks a lot of the times because then my assistant will message me saying, this person wants to call, they can only do this time and it breaks. I'm getting to the point where it's like, no, she knows not to even come back to me with, with certain things. Like this is the only time that I'll have this call. This is the only time if someone can't make it too bad, um, they'll have to understand. It's a hard thing for business owners to do, but as soon as you can start setting your own boundaries and time for yourself and time to work on things, um, you know, people always talk about it working, uh, you know, for the business or, or on the business, right. And, and, or in the business versus on the business. If you don't schedule time to work on the business, you will always work, you know, for the business and in the business. And, and that's, and that's a big problem for a lot of entrepreneurs. And it has nothing to do with like, Oh, I'm getting so caught up. It's just, again, it comes down to them. They don't set the guidelines. They don't set the calendar. So I'm the type of person, you know, if I was going to go on a diet, let's say, and you told me you could have two French fries. I'd rather zero French fries because you give me a finger. I want the hand, right? That's, that's my, that's my personality. You have to know yourself. You have to have some sort of self-awareness in, in order to do that. But I really think, you know, one of the things that I really got bullish on is something I call compound layering. It's something I, I teach a lot about 
is really that you don't need to go into one area and sit there and say, this is the area I'm going to blow up my business by just focusing on this one area. You just need to get incrementally better in five key areas of your business that could have a monumental and gigantic and geometric effect on the growth of your business. But no one wants to do that because it's unsexy to say, hey, just get a percentage better. It's very easy to say, buy my course on how I teach you how to run Facebook ads in order to scale your business to seven figures, or buy my course on, and I'm going to teach you sales techniques that's going to allow you to close you know, eight figures a year. But you don't need to get to that point because it's only one area of your business. So if you learn sales tactics, but you don't have any traffic coming in, and you don't know how to convert them into leads, and you don't have sales calls with them, it doesn't matter all the sales training. You could have all the sales training in the world. If you're not on the phone with anyone, it doesn't matter. If you learn Facebook ads and you learn how to generate a ton of traffic and you, get, and you generate people to your website, but you don't know how to capture them as a lead, and then you don't know how to book them as a call, and you don't know how to do follow-up, and you don't know how to sell them on the phone, well, it doesn't matter how good you are at all those things, right? It, 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 you have to learn the other areas of your business. You have to almost become wide. Like it's almost like T-shaped. Like uh, I think Ryan Dice from Digital Marketer calls it this, a T-shaped business where it's like you go wide on a lot of things, but go deep on certain areas that are your bread and butter and hire the people to go deep on the other things. So yeah, I mean, I go to conferences all the time and I come back with pages of notes and I'm like, okay, I read it, implement. And then I don't do anything because I mean, one is it could be, a, it, I have to look at myself. Is there an alignment with what I want? Does this actually help me grow my business or is it just a sexy tactic that I'm like, cool, let's try it. Um, or, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, analysis paralysis is, is the worst thing. You just, it's momentum. You gotta, you gotta chip away and do one thing and then keep, and then keep doing it and keep doing it, keep doing it. But this comes down to like time management. And, and that's, a, and that's a big thing for a lot of entrepreneurs is they don't know how to manage their time. Agree a thousand percent, man. I think there's so many key takeaways there. And even like in my world as a jujitsu, people want the black belt. It's like, well, you don't, you earn the black belt by going through all those other steps. It's not about that. It's about all these little things that you learn along the way that makes you earn that. It's not just about wearing it, but they don't care. They just want that. Like boxing. Oh, I want to learn how to knock somebody out. Okay. You want to learn how to throw a good punch? We're going to start by working on your footwork. Well, I don't want that. I just want to throw a punch. Like it's not how it works correctly. You know, they, they just want that end goal. And I, I think it's a, uh, Lazy. I heard you say, you know, people want people always want to take the shortcuts, but I think it's interesting what you just said, because working with uh, an assistant, it seems like you have it down. And if anybody has not, or they're in the middle of trying to work with an assistant, I feel like that that's a skill in itself that's not really discussed enough because there are ways to make that happen. And I've done it wrong. You know, I, I hire somebody, I go, okay, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm supposed to hire an assistant. And then all of a sudden, I forget that, like, at first, you have to manage that expectation with them, you have to train them for those certain things. And the mistake that I made was doing the opposite of what you just did of like, she knows not even to say no. I almost feel like I'm working for her sometimes. Like, well, I don't want to bother her and I don't want this, I don't want that. So what are some things you learned to get it to that point for you, not only for your time management, but as far as communicating and setting up a system and an expectation of like daily accountability or whatever it is, like how do you communicate best and how often with your assistant? So I've automated an entire business through Slack. It's, I mean, we run a seven figure agency. That's all through Slack. I don't need to get an email from anyone. I don't need to check my, like, like I could run my entire business from my, from my cell phone on Slack. And, 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 and that's the truth. And I, like, to the point where my assistant, we used to text each other. I'm like, let's just message in Slack unless I'm on the road and then I'm not checking anything. Then call me, email me, like, let's, let's do it that way. But she checks my email. She has access. I think it's just, um, you have to set the expectations. Right. I know that I'm not a sugarcoater. I can't write like if, if, if there's something that, that I don't like, I'll just be like, no, I don't like it. Please like change it. I'll try to say, please, if I don't, I'll, I'll just add <laughs> please at the end. But it's not because I'm a rude person. It's because I just write really fast and then I move on. To, I move on to the next thing. So I tell her that and I tell her like I, 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 I from the start that I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Don't take things personally. There's nothing you can't tell tonality in a text. I promise everything comes from the purest of attentions. Because if I really didn't like what you were doing, I'd fire you, right? Like if you were really that bad, I'd fire you. But if it's like, no, please like delete, like and send, don't get all caught off, you know, just just do it and, and, and let's move on. And I try to tell that with everyone I work with. If you're going to text me and you want me to communicate that way to you, then you're going to deal with those quick one-liners because I'm going to answer your question and move on. Um, there are times where I get an email and she shows me what the email is and I'll write the one line and then I'll be like, PS, make that nicer. Right. Like, and then she'll write a whole nice email about it on, on how to do it. Um, so it's just communication and, and it's, yeah, I mean, people think you're going to hire an assistant 
and you're instantly just going to move on to a million free hours. <laughs> it's, it's actually longer. The first three months of an assistant is actually draining to the point where like, sometimes you, you'll question, is this even worth it? Cause it's faster if I could do this myself. And there are times where I still catch myself. I'm like, I'm going to, and I'm like, no, no, I, I can't, I can't be doing this. And cause everything that I do now that she doesn't know how to do or something that comes up, I I have to film a loom video. We have to walk through the steps. And then not only that, I now need her to recreate that as a, as a SOP, because if she ever moves on or moves up in the business or to something else, or I hire another EA, I want that training manual. So everything that I do as a video teaching her, she now has to turn that into an SOP so that she could train someone else. And then I need to review that SOP. <laughs> so now I'm doing the job four times when I could have done it in 10 seconds by second nature doing it. But it's worth it once you can get past that hurdle. And then you move to a point where you sit there and say, you know, almost like, I don't care how you do it. Your job is to go capture the enemy's territory. Like your, your job is to go, go capture, try not to kill as many soldiers as possible. That's your only definition of done. And I, and I was clear off the bat that there may be times where I don't have a definition of done for you. you. I may say, I want this done. And you may say how, and I say, I don't care. I don't know. Just go do it. And it's your job to figure it out. And if you make a mistake, I'll tell you. And, and, and if you, and like a mistake in the sense of like, why would you do it that way? You just cost us like a few hundred dollars when it could have been done that way. You didn't do your research. I see it as like, okay, it's a learning curve. You keep making those mistakes. That's fine. But like, do it, move on. Let's get it done. I don't care how much time you spend into it. I don't want research. Like, and if, and I tell her the same way, if there's a tool that you think is going to make things better for you, don't even ask me for it. Go put it on the credit card, buy the tool and, and move on in the business. Like, I don't want to be wasted with times like this. Like this is, uh, these are the conversations you have to have. So having an, uh, an assistant is the most amazing, most liberating thing in the world. You find the right one. I think I found a, a great one. Uh, I, I love her to death. And I think she's amazing. Uh, but it is a lot of work and a lot of communication. So if you're not a good communicator, um, you're going to have a tough time in the beginning, but it's worth it. But anyone who thinks it's like, that goes back to what you said just before. Like, I, it's funny story. If you if you let me, is I used to be really into magic, and I used to love magic, and I used to watch David Copperfield. I used to watch Chris Angel perform all those tricks, and I'm like, I gotta learn how to do it. And I always want to learn how to do the magic tricks. I even went to magic stores and I bought all the tricks. My wife on our honeymoon, I bought card tricks, and she was like, "You're, you're an idiot. You're never gonna watch these DVDs ever, ever." I watched them once. I lost those cards. Like, but like, I just wanted to know how it was done because I like the magic effect. The problem is you learn the work that goes into performing that trick, the practice, the hours in front of the mirror, making sure that no one sees it, uh, the alterations you have to do to clothing to perform certain tricks. And you're like, man, this sucks. Like, I just want to learn how to like snap my fingers and make a, and make like a coin appear in a soda can, right? A closed soda can, like Chris Angel did it. I want to learn how to do it. <laughs> but you don't realize it takes hours of practice to make that look effort, effortless and to to understand that no it doesn't really just get in the soda can that's closed right it's an illusion like it that nothing happens like that and if they did that's really weird and creepy but you can't just make that happen and that's why magicians are so good so i wanted that but i wanted that i thought it was like i buy that trick and now i say abracadabra and the coin appears then you start realizing all the hard work and it throws you off magic, throws you off this. And I think that's what entrepreneurship kind of looks like right now. I think everyone sees the entrepreneurs on it and they're like, man, I want to learn. I want to buy that course and I want to snap my fingers and be that, that seven figure entrepreneur flying private on a yacht full of models, uh, driving my Lamborghini with a custom plate, right? I want that. And they snap their fingers. That's the trick, right? I'm going to sell you the trick, but there's tons of the preparation in front of the, in front of the mirror. There's tons of the hours going in being like, okay, I got to apply this. Does it work? No, I got to figure out and tweak it a little bit. I got to make it my own. I got to learn how to do this. Otherwise you get exposed. And I think what we're going through right now is a lot of people are getting exposed. I think that's very well said, man. That's a very detailed and uh, relevant story. And I think that that matches up well with a lot of things, you know, again, they, they just, they want the outcome. They don't want the, the, the results and the work that goes into it. And I think you not being afraid to put that hard work in on all the things you're, you're working and committing to really is the difference. It's just the, the rejection and not taking no for an answer. The stories I've heard about you getting Damon John, getting Gary V, like all come down to just being tenacious over and over again and, and finding ways to be persistent without being a pain in the ass or be rude or, 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 you know, stale. So how much of that was something that was ingrained in you from a kid or maybe from your parents or from early life? And how much did that come from just the desire as you built the business? I think I was always, uh, 
a talker. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I talk my way out of doing homework or being late to class. Like, I think I always, I think that was some born talent. I don't know if I got it from any of my parents because none of them are really like that. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I think it just, it also comes from a place of like, I actually do care about the person on the other, on the other end of, of, of the conversation. So if you come in from the we side, it's sleazy. And, you know, that's like the snake oil is like you're that charmer, you know, you're just trying to get something, but I actually care about the end result. So when Damon John said he was going to mentor someone and he wrote in his book, I like helping young entrepreneurs. I'm like, well, I'm a young entrepreneur, right? Like I'd love to meet you, but it always came from a place of like understanding, like, like, I don't know if you'll have time for this. It's almost like the, 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 like the, the put down a little bit of like myself being like, I don't know if I'm worthy of, of your time. And it's just having respect for the person you, you want something from. You'll be surprised. I get hit up in DMs all the time. I actually just posted it the other day. People are like, hey, I'd love to uh, ask you a question for, uh, it, to see if you can help me grow my business for free. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, that's the weirdest. That's the weirdest intro ever. And like, I just went through it. I'm like, like this is how people really ask for things. Like, like there's nothing wrong with going in a DM. Every single podcast guest, big podcast guest, most likely I've gotten from Instagram DM. And just learning how to follow up, learning how when they say no to be like, okay, no problem. Really appreciate your time. But I think the, the number one rule in sales is fortunes in the follow-up. Everything happens in the follow-up. If you take no and then just move on, then you're failing. Because the no allows you to like take a step back, be like, what happened? What did I do wrong? Even in a meeting, you go into a sales meeting and the, and, you know, the client or the prospect says, no, I'm not interested. You get off the phone. Well, guess what? You get to think about it. You get to regroup and then you get to follow up with them again and change a little bit and then keep, stay on their radar and do it again. Like, I mean, we have clients right now that have said no to us for six months and then end up being like, okay, the time's right. You stayed in the game longer than everyone else. Um, and I think that's really what it comes down, what it comes down to is just being respectful um, and just not coming across like, like, like everyone else. Like, don't just be like, I know I want this from you. I want this from you. I want this from you. I just come in with a ton of respect, a kind of ton of kindness and, and, and make the ask, right? Like, and if you could offer something of value to them, I'd lead with that. But most of the time, my value is I want to promote you on my podcast, right? That's, that's how I get podcasts. I want to promote you. I love your work. I love what you do, right? I want, I want to get your message out to, to more people. You know, I've had these many people on the guest would love to have you on. They're like, Hey, sorry, I'm not booking anything till, till September or September, 2025. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's no, that's no problem. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Thank, thanks for letting me know. I'll definitely be in contact later on. And then three months pass by. I'll, I'll, then I'll make sure I'm engaging on their posts, commenting on their posts and staying on their radar. Three months later, I'd be like, Hey, just letting you know, I know you said September, 2025. And I know I got like four years from that. But um, just wondering if anything opened up on your calendar. Sometimes they won't respond. Sometimes they'll respond. Nope. And I'm like, cool. Then I keep engaging. And guess what? It works, right? They're like, who is this guy that keeps commenting? Who's this guy that's messaging me? And most entrepreneurs fail because they don't stay in the game long enough. Man, I think that that's such great advice. And, you know, even, you know, taking a step further from that, it's interesting because you can see when people see that they're coming out with something and then they're going to have something promote. And a lot of the times that becomes like, Hey, I'm really excited about your new jujitsu DVD or your new course or your new book. Like, you know, and like, like you said, it's just the timing and following up at the right time. And if you've already hit them up and they see that you're engaging and sharing their stuff and liking their stuff, it goes a long way because I can't imagine how many instant messages like Bruce Buffer or Gary V gets every day about like, Hey, can I help you? Or can you help me? So I think like you said, patience and class and separating yourself from that and offering a place of value is extremely valid information for anybody listening. So don't just go start bombing somebody's DMs and then and then be a dick if they don't answer. You know what I mean? That's the other thing is I'll get is I'll get a couple of people like you don't answer for a few days and they're like, oh, I knew it, I this and that. And I'm like, hold on, you were buried in spam like under all the forex traders. So like, I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll get back to you when I can. So it's just funny. But or they or they're, or they're like, so are you in? Yeah. I'm like. I'm like is that how you were going to, we're going to start this, this relationship. And I, I'm lucky. Like I still, I'm by no means at the level of a lot of the guests that I've had on. So, I mean, like, I, I don't take offense to anything. I think the fact that someone wants to reach out and ask me a question, I, I still like, or someone says, Hey, I love the podcast or a lot, 
or love that piece of content. I, I still get a kick off of that. I, I still think I'm at that point and I hope to hold on to that feeling as much as possible that when, you know, a complete stranger on the internet that I've never heard of or never met says they found value in something I put out there. Uh, that's an amazing, amazing, amazing feeling. And I don't take that for granted. And when someone does message me, I try my best, but if you're going to respond and be rude or, or ask me something that's just so crazy, um, then, then yeah, I mean, that's just a turnoff, but if you would have hit me up the right way and now that like you understand where I'm coming from and that, that I still love the fact that someone wants to ask me a question, like I've met with people off of Instagram. They're like, they, they were so, I loved your talk at this event. It was really, really great. I, you know, I'm trying to do this. I'm like, cool. You have 15 minutes right now. I could jump on a call with you. And I jumped on a call. With them. I, I was just so blown back. I want to do that as much as possible. My time starts getting crazier these days, but but yeah, I'm just at that point where that's so amazing to me. And, you know, I, the, the bigger people I tell you, they're like, yeah, that goes away when, when, you know, you reach 10 million people and now you have a million people messaging you. And it's like, how do I keep up with that? But when you have, you know, a hundred people doing it, it's, it's a great feeling. I'm like, man, I hope I hold on to this when I have a billion people messaging me. Like, Yeah, I think that's a great lesson in humility. And I agree a thousand percent, man. Sometimes like we were talking earlier about the days that's tough and you get somebody that you've never met before and they send you a nice message about how something you said or something you asked a guest or a guest shared on your podcast, help them have a better day or help them make money or not lose money. And then it really fires you up to get back on it and get that second win for like another two, three, four, five, five episodes. So that's always much appreciated. But the, the humility in there is something that I feel like I've learned a lot of. I mean, obviously not only from taking just beatings in business, but boxing and jujitsu have helped me tremendously in understanding where I am on the food chain, even on the days that I feel like oh, I'm feeling great today, I'm in shape, I ate well, and you come in and you get humbled really fast and you learn to not let your ego get too big. And, you know, just understand I'm not the best in the room. I'm not the worst in the room. And as long as I just keep working with everybody, they all serve their purpose for training with the guys that are new and the guys that are experienced and the guys that are on my level for all different reasons. And I was really excited to hear that you had prior boxing experience. So I did want to ask you about what your boxing experience was and what lessons you took away from that to help you in life and business. Yeah. So up until around, uh, what is it, a year and a half ago, I used to box almost religiously as much, like, I mean, as much as I could. Um, and then my coach um, had a heart attack and, and, and passed away. Oh man, it was, just, it was just hard for me to like ever get like, just, I was super, super close with him. Um, you know, just, just, it was hard for me to pick it back up and, and to go with someone else. Um, and, and yeah, and just, I don't know, then just COVID had a lot of different things happen, but um, yeah, boxing, boxing was, was, was a great escape. I, I was never the guy I hated working out. I hated gyms. I hate going, doing weight training. I wish I was the guy that could go run and go jog on the street and then go to the <laughs> like, like I, I wish that was me, but boxing, what boxing and basketball, like were my workouts would, that didn't feel like a workout. Boxing was more like therapy. Like you're like, you were just talking about. And I found so many connections in boxing to what real life was through my coach. Um, through my coach and what he, what he stood for and what, how he embraced it and how he spoke to us uh, and just the, the, the lessons in life. And when, you know, you're having a bad day and I showed up, you know, the, and, and I put in a workout and just the whole, like, this is what happens in life. You're going to get beat down. You're going to have a bad day, but you got to fight. You got to battle back. And the way you responded right now, that's toughness. And like, just the lessons in there in life. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I've never really, worked out or boxed with anyone else or ever did any other martial art. So I don't know how much is attributed to the sport or how much is attributed to, to the, the coach I had. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I think connecting the dots backwards and, and looking at boxing now versus, you know, how, how I look at certain business things, there's a lot of correlation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities between martial arts in general and in business. And, and yeah, I, I mean, listening to you say it, I, I probably, I probably, I probably didn't give enough credit to it before. Um, but, but yeah. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me 
whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Well, I've heard you talk about your first sparring session and I couldn't agree more. It's, it's one of those things probably like digital marketing that you see the guy who's drunk at the bar and he's yelling at the guy in the 11th round, hey, pick your hands up. And I'm like, you don't think he wants to pick it. He's not enjoying getting hit in the face right now. He can't lift his arms. Like, have you ever tried that? No, probably not. But it's very easy for people to look at it and think it's a lot easier than it is probably like exactly what you do with your digital marketing. And I think even one of those things like in Muay Thai, it's leg kicks and in, in boxing, it's, it's the, you know, those body shots. It's the stuff you don't see that really hurts you. And I'll never forget the first time I got hit by a boxer and it was a whole different ball game. And I was thinking of all the ways I could move out of the country. So I'd never have to come back and, you know, but then you, you figure out how to, how to get back in there and just readjust. And you start to face that fear a little bit more every day. And I think eventually learning how to get hit, get your bell rung, be hurt and stay calm and cool and collected and find a way out in jujitsu and boxing was a huge thing that translated into whenever I would get an emotional charge or an adrenaline kick or my blood pressure would go up and I would begin to make an unemotionally intelligent decision. It allowed me to remember, okay, I know this feeling. It's the same feeling as when I get cracked in the face or I get put in a choke that I go, all right, take a minute, calm down, like think about what you want to do and find a calculated way out. You don't just quit and you don't just react. You think and I think just that extra 10 or 15 minute, seconds that buys you that extra time has probably saved me a lot of business mistakes and a, a lot of business and probably personal relationships by gaining that calmness in the storm that I took from martial arts into business. So um, how do you handle like the stressful days and the ups and downs? Like wh what are you doing to stay calm in the storm of the entrepreneurial roller coaster in muddy waters? I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, look, th there are days where, I'm an emotional and passionate person. Um, and I think it's because I actually do care a lot. So when, when a client, you know, is, and we're working hard for a client, I don't take it lightly that someone gives me thousands of dollars to play with for, of their money, forget our agency fees to go buy media, do things. They're giving us thousands, thousands of dollars to play with hundreds of thousands of dollars in a month. Right. I don't take that lightly. And so I come from a place of caring and I come from a place of like, you know, I've seen it just on so many different accounts. And if you're hiring me, I need you to buy in and trust me. And I need you to get it. And I, I will walk you through that. But if you're going to start pulling back and start doing a bunch of things, I, I react emotionally because I care so much. And, and that may be a bad thing. I, I know everyone says take emotion out of business. And that's why I hire people. So I don't <laughs> have to talk to the clients anymore because I do get so emotional. And it's not always emotional. Like, fuck this client or, or uh, you're fired or it's, or like, sometimes it's not even getting a thank you. I, t I like when we just gave them their first million dollar month and not to get a thank you, you know, or some sort of like, yeah, it was okay. And you know, like that I, t I take personally because I put so much into it and I try to get my team to put as much into it and, and, and care. So I'm still an emotional human being. I still react emotionally, but there was a quote I heard, um, a while back and I started rehearing it more and it kind of just turned it into a mantra. And that's from Jesse Itzler, who's like, remember tomorrow. And the quote is simple, like just simply remember tomorrow. So if you ever have to make a decision, if something's bothering you, you get this email that, that's coming in. And I know everyone says, take, take a break, take 10 seconds, breathe. The 10 seconds just makes me angrier, right? <laughs> if I'm, if I'm sitting there looking at that email and I'm looking at it for 10 more seconds and I have to breathe, my response is getting worse. My blood pressure is going up. <laughs> my heart's beating faster. The 10 seconds isn't doing, go take a break, go sleep. I don't want to go sleep it over. Cause then the client gets mad that I didn't respond. So there's a lot of different things that we hear, but one thing I, I, I always like now try to say, and I brought this into sports even, right? Just remember tomorrow, tomorrow morning, after you make this decision, how are you going to feel about it? How are you going to feel, you know, in, in never mind an hour later or two hours later, there are times where I respond to a client and, and an hour later, I'm like, man, that was an asshole. I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have responded like that. And I apologize. And I always admit when I'm, 
when, when I'm wrong or out of line. And I apologize. I luckily have very good relationships with a lot of our clients. Um, but remember just that quote, remember tomorrow makes you make decisions and just take, makes you take a step back and be like, huh? So like just anything in life, like you're, you're pitching in baseball, you're about to throw a pitch and you just take a deep breath and say, remember tomorrow. Like, do you want this batter to be the guy that you're thinking about tomorrow? Right. Do you, do you want this pitch right now? The one you're going to sleep on and waking up tomorrow being you know, like, I shouldn't have thrown that pitch. And so you can look at it as like, man, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself on everything you do, or you can look at it as very rewarding and just, and just focus. Right. So you get that angry email, you get that stressful situation, you're put on the clock, you got to respond and, and, and you just remember tomorrow. How am I gonna, and if you could 100% with accuracy tell you that you're going to wake up tomorrow and feel fine, then it doesn't matter how many 10 second breaks you need, respond however you need to respond. If you could be honest and true to yourself that tomorrow morning you'll wake up and have zero regrets about it. I am going to think of you every single time I go through a drive-thru because that's, that's, I, I have such a problem with that. And I, I needed that exact words to think about like, all right, you just ran five miles. You just lifted weights and did jujitsu. How are you going to feel tomorrow if you eat this McRib and then the McFlurry and then the fries and all that stuff? So I think that's a, it's probably a good muscle to exercise just that habit. And that, like you said, it trickles down into other things. So I'm going to use that to control some of my impulses that I have trouble with, such as food. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. I do want to dig deep into J-Port Media. So there's a lot of really cool things that I think you do and you talk about that. There's some misconceptions, like you said, people think it's a lot less that goes into it than it does. But I did hear you say, which I'd like you to share, like the three timeless ways to grow a business. I thought were really interesting if you could dig into those initially. Yeah. So that really comes from Jay Abraham. Um, who who's an amazing human being and if you don't know who jay abraham is go go look him up he's he's almost everything you see in the marketing or business space has come from from him and and, and his teachings um so there's three ways to grow a business right get more customers increase your price or increase the buying frequency so any way you could possibly think of to grow a business, whether you want to do Facebook ads or you want to do email or you want to do, uh, you know, hire models at a trade show, everything that you could possibly think of falls into one of those three ways because there is no other way to grow a business. You either have to get more customers, you either have to increase your prices to make more money, you could increase your prices or you could get more customers, right? Those are the two ways or you could increase the amount of times that they buy from you. So if someone buys from you once, buy them twice. And that goes into all the teachings that I teach it through what I call compound layering. And that's what I started talking with that. I started seeing all these entrepreneurs and myself in business and spending, like I said, hundred thousand dollars on coaches and, and masterminds and investing in my own self and seeing my own business and then interviewing so many successful people. You start watching these things that, that if you want so many people come in, they say, I want more sales, right? That that's the thing I hear the most. I want more sales. I want more sales. And they think there's some magic wand you're going to wave and more sales are going to come in or they fix one thing and more sales are going to come in. You know, like you have those three ways, but if you could look at five key levers of your business in terms of awareness, people knowing you exist, that could be website visitors. That could be anything. Um, lead generation. How many of those people who now know you raise up their hand and say, I'm interested in what you have to talk about. And I want to speak and learn more. Then you have conversion rate. How many, what's percentage of those people who raise their hands, convert and become a customer. Then you have your price, which is one of the big three. Like what is the average price per transaction? And then your last one is the buyer frequency, which is the third option. So you still have those three options, but I threw in two more in there. If you could double each of those five areas of your business, what would that mean for your business? Now, most people sit there and say five times, 10 times, you know, Grant Cardone 10 X. But in reality is if you actually do the math and you use that formula of awareness times lead gen uh, times conversion rate times um, price times frequency, if you, if you could double those five areas of your business, you actually grow your business. It's a 32 X multiple and people don't get that right. People are just sitting there focusing on one thing. If I 10 X one area of my business, if you 10 X one area of your business, you're going to get 10 X. But if you could double or two X, each one of your businesses, each part of those five key levers, you have 32 X growth. And that's the ma magic power of compound layering. It's the same thing in finance, right? Compound interest. Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. Um, you know, and it all came from pretty much that Jay Abraham 
the three the three ways to grow a business. And um, you know, I heard Tony Robbins talking, and he was like, "If you and I played golf, right, and we were and we were golfing, and we sat there and said, let's play for ten cents a hole," and you're like, "Sure, that's not a lot," and you say, "Okay," and right before I'm about to tee off, I sit there and say, "Nick, how about we double it every single hole?" And you're like, all right, 10 cents, 20 cents, 40 cents. Cool. Or, you know, maybe I'm at like three bucks on the 18th hole. The 18th hole is actually worth around $13,000. Whoa. Right? 10 cents, 20 cents, 40 cents, 80 cents, $1.60, 320, 640, right? 12, uh, 1280. It adds up. It keeps adding up, adding up. And that's the magic of compound, of compounding. And if you could take that and go into your business and get 10% better, 3% better in certain areas, you'll have a great effect. So stop looking at it just one area of your business, but look at it from a macro. I like that, man. And talking about the stuff that you're doing now with the market domination method, I know you guys started as, I think, just Facebook ads, and now you've gone into a full-service digital marketing agency. So what are some of the things you guys are doing? How are you working with clients and helping them with their business? Yeah, so the agency is uh, predominantly uh, digital marketing, paid media, so Facebook ads, Snap, TikTok, uh, Google, um, and email marketing as well. And then, like I said, I now launched the market domination method, which is now actually moving into more like of a compound layering growth consultancy program, because everyone that came into the market domination, like I said, came in to learn how to uh, fix their marketing or one part of the marketing, but they had so many, they, their system was built to, to break, right? So the more marketing they did and the more sales they got, the more, the more the business broke and they, and, and they couldn't scale. So it's now the market domination method is my online uh, coaching program. It's a year long where I hold your hand. It's me. It's not a team member. It's an offline app that also you can go in and you have, um, as close to as 24 seven access as possible to me. Uh, you can post your question in there and then there's two group calls a week and, but it's me in there, like literally giving you everything, holding your hand, teaching you how to grow and massively scale your business through those effects of compound layering and me teaching you each one of those areas and how to improve it. So That's we have the done for you and the done with you. That's really good stuff, man. Cause I know, again, one of the things that I don't think people understand enough of is that you being in that position, you have to constantly be engaged on top of what's going on because it's always like within weeks, sometimes less. I've seen things like algorithm change. Don't use this anymore. Don't use that. Anymore. Even like the, the Facebook, the iOS update, people started pulling out their marketing because of that. So I think having somebody that's in the know on that on a constant basis is you could read a book from six months ago and all the stuff that you read in it when you go to implement today, they could be completely prehistoric. It's crazy. And that was my problem with courses, right? I, well, I never wanted to give a course. Because by the time I put the course out, I'm already testing something different. Yeah. So I'm giving you something that worked for me three months ago. Because I have to, like, I want you to just think about this. Like anyone who's about to buy a course, and I've spent a lot of money on courses. And I've had people come on the podcast and give me their courses. And I've gone through them because I'm a sponge for information. Um, and, you know, that's why I love this coaching program is because I invest money in my own coaches. You're getting me bettering myself and bringing that information to you. You're getting the, all the knowledge that I've built, uh, given to you. Um, but, but yeah, like if you break down a course, they can't just put out a course ethically, I guess, and you know, many people do, but you can't put out a course and sit there and say, this works without having to test it for at least three to six months. But we live in an ever changing, like the times are changing so fast, right? Like, you had iOS hit, you had COVID hit, like a lot of things from three months ago didn't apply. You had people who put out a course now that came from last year's stuff, but that was COVID numbers and those don't exist <laughs> now. So you're getting things that worked for them back then because they have to test it in order to show data and show you and sit there and say, look what we did for our clients with this. Most likely they are now moved on to test on the new thing for their new course, right? Maybe it's still working, maybe it's still going, but you're getting information that is old. Now there's nothing wrong with that at times. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff continue. I know people who put out courses and they're great people and people should go buy their courses if they want to learn stuff because they're, they're awesome, awesome teachers. But the principles they're teaching, a lot of them may not apply in a month or, or a week after you buy that course. What I wanted to do was not a course, but a coaching program where it's me. And, it's, and, and if something changes, well, guess what? There's no course on it. You're on that call and you sit there and say, I was just affected by it. And we sit there and say, here's how we're adapting with our agency. And, you know, we spend millions and millions of dollars on Facebook 
ads um, every single year, we could look back and sit there and say, well, look, this is what we're doing across, you know, 12, 15, 20 accounts. And this is what's working. So it's bringing that information there. So I never liked the course model because I always just felt, um, I felt uneasy about it, giving someone information that worked, but may not work after they give me their money for it. That's really ethical. I like that. I never actually really thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. And even like you're saying now, what, what, how are you guys adjusting? Are you st- Obviously, Facebook marketing has not gone away, but I know a lot of people have stopped doing it because they got scared of what the update was and the ones that are good. One of the things I heard you say as a coach is your job is not to tell people what to think, but teach them how to think. And I think that that says a lot about the way that some people learn to think about it and find ways and adjust to work within whatever the changes were and other people went, we're just not going to do that anymore. So how did you guys react and adapt to it? Um, well, we're still adapting to it. So, I mean, like ethically speaking, I can't say we figured it out because it keeps changing. We're still, we're still <laughs> learning. We're still trying to figure it out right now. Um, I think one thing we did was, you know, I, I was, I was a very good Facebook ad buyer. I have media buyers now in the business that are way better than me. I, was, I thought I was very good, but I thought what made me good wasn't the technical side of things. It was my understanding about marketing and human psychology and writing a good offer and putting that out there, right? If you could do that, then the button pushing becomes super easy. Um, no offense to the media buyers, <laughs> great job, uh, you know, but some of them are just button pushers and and so that was always my strength was under, was understanding that. So from that standpoint, every time we onboarded a client, that was in the philosophy that we taught, right? Like Facebook ads is one thing, but it's one like this, how you have to look at it from a macro. And I started training them and like, look at it across your overall revenue, look at it from across that. Don't just focus on your return on ad spend in one platform. That's the wrong way to look at your business. And I've always preached that. And now everyone's like, Oh, you got to look at it from an old macro. Like that's the way to look at it. Cause we've been spoiled for the last five years of seeing instant data. I came before we saw that instant data. And it's funny how marketers are now like, it's something I've been saying for so long, way before this, I started saying this in 2018, 2019, that like, forget ROAS, forget return on ad spend inside of, inside of a platform, start looking at your, your marketing as a whole and uh, to a percentage of your revenue. And I said that for the longest time. And now everyone's coming on because they can't judge anything else and they need something else to go back to their clients on. So it just comes down to, um, that's one way I looked at it, but how we're handling it is we're just overly communicating with our clients, walking them through it. If there's something that they see and like, you know, they're used to logging into Facebook and seeing a four X return on there. And now it says a two point something not to freak out because the math adds up. Like, here's the math. Let's look at the math. Let's put it on a graph. Let's look at what it looked like when you were getting 4X. Let's look at it when you're getting a 2X. We know we're losing report and we just over-communicate with them. Um, sometimes it's the same conversation over and over and over and <laughs> over again. Um, but, you know, when someone's paying you and someone's putting in hundreds of thousand dollars a month into a platform, uh, it's not my job to question um, how to get them to sleep better at night. If they need to hear the I love you, you're okay, you're okay, and you need a hug, then it's my job to say, I love you, I love you, you're okay, and you get here's your hug. That's my job. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the way we're handling it right now because anyone who tells you that they have a way to handle it is lying to you. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner... Any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. That's very honest. I appreciate that. You know, another thing you touched on that I think is very important is when that was happening, people were freaking out a little bit about, you know, social media. And 
a lot of the other players in my industry were saying, you know, it almost doesn't matter if they shut down Facebook and they shut down Instagram or they shut down TikTok or whatever, if you have a good email list. Like that's really the key is using all these other things to build your own list through email. So if they decide to shut your account down or we forget how to market to them or whatever happens, you still have your customer base that you grew on your own. So um, I like and just kind of know we're running out of time here, but yep. Um, any tips or tricks or thoughts or principles behind like building an email list and why everybody should be doing it? Well, your email list doesn't go anywhere. And, and yes, there's iOS updates that are happening regarding email coming up, but your customer, you own their phone number, you own their email and you own their address and you can send direct mail. You own them like they're yours. You don't have to pay to reacquire that information. Everything else you have to pay to reacquire that information. So you want to know the massive way to scale on these platforms is spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a million dollar a month on these platforms and not care about the return you get is if your back end of your business is so dialed in, meaning your website converts, you have a way to capture their information. You have a way to upsell them. You have a way to show, increase that average order value. You have a way to, you know, to close them and to keep in contact with them. And then you have a way, once you have that information to keep providing value and getting them to come back and buy, then it doesn't matter. You could lose money on acquiring those customers on all those platforms. But if your backend system is so well put in place and so well dialed in, then it doesn't even matter. Like that's, that's where you get the mask. You look at the brands that are masks, they're not checking their, what's my return on ad spend today? Hmm. They don't care because they have, they know their math. They know their money math and it is all math and you just have to know your numbers, but Growing your email list um, is probably one of the most profitable things you could do. But that comes that, that that will come from advertising, people coming to your site, and people showing interest. That comes from getting customers. Um, growing your email list without getting a transaction, an email list of forty thousand people that never buy from you, is just as good as an email list of zero. Right? It doesn't really do much for you. I love that. And I'd like to talk to you offline a little bit more about too that that and how I can start to get that going for sure. But I think that's really interesting. So as far as a, as a whole, how do people work with you? How do people find you? How do people connect with you? I'm super super findable and uh, and 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 reachable. So on social media, I'm at Jason Portnoy on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. I think I'm I I am Jason Portnoy uh, for like facebook.com slash I am Jason Portnoy, my podcast, perfectly mentored. And then my website, jportnoy.com, a uh, million different ways you could reach me. And, uh, and yeah, hope you do. Awesome, man. I really enjoy your podcast. Your guests have been huge. What are the, I'll put all this in the show notes, obviously anybody listening, if you want a direct link, it's all going to be in there when this comes out. Um, but I did want to ask, I saw you had Ariel Helwani on as well. And you had Bruce Buffer. Did you have them on because of your love of boxing and martial arts? Or I know Bruce is the business side of it too. And obviously Ariel has the journalist side and you guys are from the same country. Um, how did those connections or desires to have them on come about? Uh, I grew up with Ariel. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Ariel's, Ariel's uh, almost became family. So I, I've, I've known him, for, I've known him for, for, the longest, for the longest time and, and just so proud of what he's done. Uh, he really went into a space and built that space up and, and really dominated and, and pivoted when he saw other sport, like his story is incredible. Like if you're not familiar with him, I know he's an incredible, incredible journalist as someone who's just getting into podcasting at the time. I wanted to pick his brain and chat with him and see how I hold up, uh, against him. Uh, but, uh, just an incredible story, incredible, an incredible person. Uh, so that's why he was on the podcast. Um, and just with a great story of perseverance and, and crafting your own space and, and not taking no for an answer and, and overcoming a lot of, a lot of difficulties, uh, Bruce Buffer, um, not many people know he has an incredible, like, so first of all, he's a well, well-known person, but not many people know his story, his business story and, and, and crazy, uh, like life story of how he got into it. And like, like, I think he, he just fits what, what the podcast what the podcast went for. I, I it, it had nothing to do with love for martial arts or love for boxing. It's Ariel's good friend and, and someone who's successful. Bruce Buffer is an amazing successful entrepreneur and, and showman and they just fit the mold. They were, they were both great interviews. I expected, uh, I initially thought you were going to talk more about your boxing and your experience and stuff, but there was, it was a very great episode stuff. I didn't know about him. And I have my boxing experience is I got, I got hit in the, I got hit in the, with a body shot by 20, uh, like 25% <laughs> at 25%, at uh, 25% of, of what that hit should have been. And I went down and, and, and cried like a little baby and want, and wanted to get out. 
um, I would never be a professional boxer. It's the ones you don't see though. That's what it is, right? Same thing as always, the old, the old one too. But I have met Ariel a bunch of times and I met uh, Bruce a bunch of times and Ariel actually was, uh, he's good friends with my friends, Ally Aquinta and Chris Weidman. He did some really cool stuff with them coming to see Al on the beach in Long Island and spending some time after the hurricane with Chris out in Baldwin when the streets were all flooded and stuff. So he's done some really cool journalistic things and uh, we have some mutual friends. So I hear nothing but great things about him. And I thought your podcast with both of them, as well as a lot of the other guests is, is very exciting. And I highly encourage everybody man, I appreciate to go that. and listen thank to you. it, man. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Generally, this was exciting for me. I think what you're doing, there's a million other things I could have touched on. So I'd love to have you on again at some point, but I very much appreciate you taking out of your busy schedule. Any further things that, or final thoughts you want to leave us with today? No, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and remember tomorrow. I love that, man. Thank you so much. Jason Porter.